welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Oh, hold on. Um, ho- hopefully this will go well. I'm out in the car in the middle of the wilderness of Utah, but uh, um, can everybody hear me decent? Yes. Okay. Um, my name's Buster. Actually, my, my given name's John, but I'll get to the, the Buster part, but I'm from Utah. Um, uh, three and a half years sober now. Um started acting out around six years old with kids in the neighborhood. Um, and that led to um, acting out with a sibling, um, a lot of pornography and masturbation uh, through the years. Occasionally I could get a period of sobriety. Um, the most I ever got was nine months. I always thought if I could get a year I'd be golden, but, but I could never get past nine months. I had one nine-month period um, when I was 19, and I had a six-month period right at the first of my marriage, which was particularly discouraging because um, I couldn't even stay sober as long as I had before. Now I had a legal outlet. I was always trying to quit. Um, I never really thought this is okay, and I can, I can, I'll just live this lifestyle, and this will be all right. Um, my religious convictions definitely didn't jive with the way I was behaving. Um, in fact, I, when I was a teenager, I thought I had multiple personalities because one side of me wanted to do exactly what I thought God wanted me to do, and then this other side wanted to do completely opposite. Um, it really kind of drove me crazy. Uh, as time went on, I, I start, well, I started talking to church leaders at age 16, and, and they just didn't seem to, to know what to do with me. Um, they took my confession and thought they could move on, and I still needed some long-term help. Um, at 39, back in 2000, September of 2000, I walked into my first 12-step meeting, um, and uh, I really gained some hope out of there. It was, it was put on by my church, and it was for any kind of addiction. I was pretty sure that if they knew what my problem was, that they would say, well, we've got a problem, but you're sick, and uh, reject me. So I didn't really go into what what I was dealing with. In fact, um, my plan was just to go get their books and go home and work the program on my own. And uh, two things hit me that night. First of all, I was listening to meth addicts and alcoholics who were laughing and seeming to enjoy themselves, which didn't jive with what I thought from their stories. And so I thought maybe there's hope for me. Um, I'd also always thought that if I sat down with a drug addict, I'd have to explain to him how my problem was like an addiction. And quickly I found out that none of them 
question that I had an addiction, and, uh, and that was reassuring. And uh, the other thing that that first night is um, through something one of them said after the meeting, I, I realized they didn't care what I was. You basically said we all have a hole, and we're trying to stuff out. How do you say it? We're, we're trying to fill it with something. And I realized they didn't care what I was filling it with. And uh, so I kept going back to that. Um, unfortunately, that particular fellowship didn't encourage sponsorship um, and a few other things. I, I finally went to SA looking for a sponsor, and this was probably, I don't know, seven, eight years later. Uh, I continued going to that fellowship, but I um, really wasn't making any progress doing the uh, self-guided tour through the 12 steps. And so I went to SA looking for a sponsor, um, got a sponsor, did not use him. Matter of fact, I eventually quit going to the meeting that he was at. I never called him and then uh, ran into him at a grocery store and uh, uh, found out he was going to Eastern Europe for a year or two. And I thought, oh, now I don't have a sponsor, but he could have been dead and just as effective as I was using him. Um, and uh, went back in, I think, 2012 to get a sponsor again. And this time I stuck with SA. And uh, I was really getting frustrated, though, because I was, I was going to, like, four meetings a week. Um, I'd worked through the steps one and a half times, still couldn't put together any sobriety, really. I had a few times that were nine months long at that point, but um, just frustrating the heck out of me. Uh, literally, it just, I think it turned my hair gray. I started a list on my phone. Why can't I get this? You know, maybe it's suppressed memories. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Um, just not able to figure out why I couldn't put it together. And, uh, and then... Um, I, I love what it says in, in what is the sexaholic and what is sexual sobriety where it, it says, until we have been driven to the point of despair, until we really wanted to stop but could not, we did not give ourselves to this program of recovery. And that was definitely my story. Um, I thought I'd turned it over to God. I thought I'd... Uh, Actually, I thought I'd worked step one before I ever got into my first 12-step meeting. Um, I had a conversation with him and said, you know, obviously I can't beat this thing. I'm not even trying anymore. It's your problem now. Within 30 days, he had me in a 12-step meeting. Um, and I was pretty close on step one at that point. But the worst possible thing happened. Suddenly I had a group of people I could talk to that understood. And things got better. And I took back control. And I thought I'd worked step three four times at that point, really thoroughly the last time because I took the third step prayer. I rewrote it in my own words and, and took it on my knees with half a dozen other guys after a meeting. And uh, um, so I thought I'd really, like I say, thoroughly worked step three at that point. Um, along in that time, I... Uh, thought, so, you know, the only positive characteristic I've got is that I just don't know how to quit, and uh, I'll just keep getting up and dusting myself off 
And at that point, I decided to call myself Duster in the meetings just to remind my to remind myself I wasn't going to quit. And a couple of years later, it kind of paid off. Um, it was at the end of a, a 90-day period of really lousy sobriety. I was slipping all over the place, and I, I think the only reason I didn't reset my sobriety is because God knew I would on the night of the 8th and 9th of November, 2013. And it's like you know, there's no reason for him to reset it every day or every week. He's going to reset it then. And... Uh, and I just got so frustrated that I finally just, I was broke. I finally gave up. And uh, in the middle of that night, I just, without even realizing what I'd done, I finally got step one. I mean, I can't really work step one. Step one is an idea that I've got to have every day. And I finally got that and, and just, kind of turned to God and said, whatever you want. I don't, I don't really care what it is. Whatever you want, that's what I'll do. Um, I was listening to some audios, and, and they were talking about developing a culture of sobriety, and one thing one of them said is that, you know, I call my sponsor every day, and it just hit me. I need to call my sponsor every day. I was, I'm still a lousy phone caller, but um, I was particularly lousy there. I probably made 12 phone calls in 13 years in 12-step fellowships. And uh, I talked to my sponsor that morning, and he was willing to take my calls every day. And probably for at least three months, I called him almost every day until it got too overwhelming for him. And and he asked me to back off, and then I just threw away the habit. <laughs> didn't call somebody else, but I um, didn't call him every every day either anymore. But um, and another thing that that hit me soon after that was doing ninety and ninety. Um, one of my sponsees was relapsing all the time, and and. Uh, I'd heard somebody say, you, you've got to confront them. You know, you can't just let it go if they keep relapsing and, and they've got to do something different than what they're doing or they're going to keep getting what they're getting. And uh, sure enough, he relapsed a couple of days later and we were talking on the phone and and uh, and I'd thought about 90 and 90 at different times, heard people talk about it. And uh, um, when... Uh, we were talking, I, I said to him, have you ever considered a 90 and 90? I was always, I was always too busy before that to do a, a 90 and 90. And, uh, uh, but as I was talking to him, I says, have you ever thought about doing a 90 and 90? He says, yeah, I haven't. And I said, then why don't you do it? And then God literally interrupted the phone call and said, John, why don't you do it? And suddenly, because my attitude had changed, I was like, I've got to do 90-90. It's not, you know, can I? I just have to do it. God says to do it. And uh, so I gathered all sorts of schedules that I had from SA and from other fellowships and the SA phone meeting list and uh, figured out how I could make a meeting a day. And Sunday was a tough day for me. 
Um, but I saw the one of the daily sobriety renewal calls at 5.30 my time and thought, I'm not doing anything at 5.30. I can get on that call. And uh, as soon as I got on that call the first morning, I thought, I, I need to answer these questions every day. And uh, so suddenly every day at 4.30 or 5.30, I was getting on a call and, and doing the daily sobriety renewal. And uh, what had been impossible because of family and church and work and everything else I had going in my life. I just couldn't do 90 meetings in 90 days. But when I was finally broke and utterly admitted complete defeat, suddenly what was impossible was easy. And it wasn't even a question whether I was going to make 90 meetings in 90 days. I added some more face-to-face meetings and uh, ended up the 90 days with like 2.7 means a day on the average. And, uh, but it was because my attitude had changed and because I was really willing to go to any lengths and do whatever God told me to do. And, uh, and I didn't even realize what happened that night. At first I thought, well, I became willing to go to any length, which was true. But, couple of weeks after it happened, I realized I really got step one and I finally took step three. And everything has changed since then. Um, I, I, I probably can't even describe everything that's gone on um, in the amount of time I've got, but it's, it's amazing how the struggle I used to have where I just couldn't stay sober um, most days I would get up and fight lust all day long and sometimes go to bed early just to end that fight. And now it's an unusual day for me to wake up and, and feel lust. Um, matter of fact, it happened a week or two ago and, and I woke up feeling this underlying lust and it was unusual enough that I thought, well, what's wrong? And realized that I'd been irritated about something the night before and and that had been kind of going around in my head for a, an hour or two before I fell asleep. And and that was the reason that I, I woke up feeling lustful. And uh, um, like I say, I just, I just don't fight it the way I used to fight it. And uh, um, life is going really well. Um, I'm now on my four-step inventory um, and I've, I've learned every something every time through the steps from the third time on um, there were times the first two times through I didn't learn a whole lot but I've, I've gained a lot of experience through sponsors that have helped me um, I really try to use my sponsors now uh, I've got actually I've got a my main sponsor in SA, I've got um, what I call my big book sponsor because he's showing me how to take somebody through using the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then I've got a service sponsor, and, and I try to use them all the time. I've, I've listened to a ton of audios. That was the other thing I got into right after that besides SA phone meeting. And I, I want to thank this meeting for being here because... It was one of the meetings I dialed into and would enjoy listening to somebody with recovery sharing their experience. 
Because even though a lot had changed, I still didn't have long-term sobriety for sure. I mean, I, I stayed sober from that night. Um, but, you know, until I got a year, I didn't know if I could get a year. Of course, then I got a year, and I remember sharing in the, the meeting that day that, you know, a year of sobriety was a lot more impressive before I had it. The thing I found is that I can still be really screwed up and have a year of sobriety. I've still got a lot to work on with three and a half years of sobriety. But it's it's nice to not have to fight day in and day out. Um, at this point in time, my main concern is what does God want me to do today? Um, that's why I'm on the call today. Um, I just feel like I'm, I'm supposed to share what God's given me to whoever I can. And uh, I, don't, I don't worry too much about fighting lust. I just get up and try to turn my day over to God and see what he wants me to do and be flexible in case the schedule changes partway through the day. Um, so many times I've got my own schedule going in my head and things that I want to do. And I found I just have to be flexible because he may interrupt and say, even instead of going to a meeting today, you need to stay here and have this conversation with your wife um, or somebody else. And uh, and so I try to remain flexible. And uh, I, I just can't express in words um, the joy I feel today, um, the peace I have, the promises in the big book are true. Um, I love the 10-step promises, the 9-step promises. And the only thing that hasn't come true out of those for me um, at this point is I don't recoil from my from lust as I would from a hot flame. Um, but everything else that's in there, as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition, I'm good. And, uh, and the joy of, of working with others, um, trying to help somebody, sponsor somebody else through the 12 steps is is the best high I can, or talking to a newcomer after a meeting. It's a great high, and it doesn't have any downside. I don't wake up the next morning and wonder what the heck I did. Why am I here again, um, hating myself for what I did? And uh, I guess the one other thing I really should mention is in the first couple of years in 12-step in recovery, um, I got a different relationship with God. Still can, but as a sobriety, and that's probably because I was still trying to be in charge. But when I walked into my first meeting, I was sure God was tired of me. I'd told him so many times I was quitting. I figured he'd thrown in the towel and says, John's never going to pull his head out. He's never going to get this. It's a waste of time working with him. And I came to know a God that doesn't really cares. But he'll help me right in the middle of a relapse. Um, I had a relapse going that I was really enjoying, but I'd had some recovery and I knew in the intellectually in the back of my head that I'd be happier if I wasn't doing that, but I was really enjoying that relapse. But that nagging voice kept bugging me. So finally I had a conversation with God and said, yeah, you know, I really don't want to quit right now, but I know I'd be happier if I did help me want to quit. And I got eight months of sobriety off that conversation. The next day I woke up and 
decided to quit for the time being at least. Um, I've had a period where I was looking at porn for a couple hours one time and uh, and had what I call a, a moment of clarity and, and uh, realized that's not where I wanted to go and I asked God to take those feelings out of my heart that lust and, and, and whatnot. And it left. It just left. I wasn't deserving. I, I wasn't worthy of anything, but God just took that. And I was able to go through the rest of the day like I hadn't been doing anything. I'd never seen that downward spiral stop before. And, uh, but it was, it was amazing because, like I say, I just went through the rest of the day like I hadn't been doing anything. And, and so I came to know a God that will help me as long as I'm sincere and honest. That seems to be the requirements for me. It doesn't have anything to do with worthiness, just sincerity and honesty, and and we can start a, start working together. And it didn't matter how many times I relapsed in recovery, and now I knew the steps, and I still wasn't doing it. Every time I came back to them, it was just like, yeah, that was dumb, but I'm glad you're back. Let's let's move forward. There was no browbeating or telling me how ter- terrible I was. It was just like, let's move forward. And and I decided that Shane doesn't have anything to do with God's plan. And he doesn't even want me to feel guilty as soon as I turn around. As soon as I turn around, he wants me to be happy and he wants me to be focused on what we're doing. And uh, like I say, I'm not perfect at this point. I still struggle. I've had to debate my sobriety with my sponsor and my higher power a couple of times in the last three and a half years. And right now I'm, I'm in a really good place and things are going well and uh, we can completely recover. I'll never be cured. I'll always have to be wary. But like it says in the big book, it says recovered over over and over again in there. And I've been returned to sanity as far as lust is concerned. And uh, I'll take another 24. Thanks. I'll turn it back to the chair. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.